Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Lint Podcast. Apple has held its annual developer conference, WWDC, this week, announcing new updates to pretty much everything, including iOS, iPadOS, macOS, watchOS, tvOS, iCloud, HomeKit, privacy, and plenty more. <gasps> right, yes, I'm sure there's some other bits that I've forgotten there as well. But how do all these new changes affect the way you use your iPhone or iPad or any other Apple device for that matter? And has it been a good or bad year for those looking for exciting new things to play with? Well, joining me to discuss all the news is Pocketlint's Britta O'Boyle and Dan Grabham, who've been feverishly taking in all that news so we can talk about it today. Britt, let's start with you. What do we think about the new changes to iOS 15? I think there's actually quite some quite good ones coming to iOS 15. Um, there's obviously loads, which um, I noticed when I was doing our feature on it. Um, <laughs> the, but some of the big ones um, would probably be the focus feature. That... Yeah, so let's talk about that for a little bit then. What does, how, for those that weren't uh, watching the, the show and, and haven't had a chance to catch up, what, what does focus do? So it allows you to... Um, filter out your notifications based on your status I suppose would be the best way to describe it um, and there seems to be four main status options that you can choose from uh, personal work um, sleep and do not disturb although I think that changes on watch a little bit um, and then you can also set a custom focus that you can choose what what you like for that maybe exercise or something and then you can decide what what notifications will come through um, and you can also change your home screen based on what you would like. So you can sort of ignore, you can basically not have apps like Instagram or Facebook or any social media stuff so that you don't get, basically, so you don't get tempted by stuff, I suppose, would be hmm. is how they're trying to play it, um, which is quite interesting, really, I guess. It means and do, you, do you think you'll use it? I mean, Dan, do you, are you going to use it? I definitely Definitely, because um, yeah, notifications are something I struggle with, especially WhatsApp stuff coming in from various groups and stuff. So, yeah, absolutely, I'll be using it. I must admit, with, with WhatsApp, I have kind of any large group I've got, I've just muted for a year straight away. Because oh, <laughs> <yeah>. that's, <laughs> you know, just stops me stops me whining about that. And I've kind of, I suppose, personally, on my iPhone use, I've, I've now turned off most of the badges for anything. You know, that little like, you've got this many... Yeah, I've got yeah. them all turned off because I hate the badges. I, I, you know, for phone calls, yes, I want to know that I've missed a call, but actually, I don't need to know that I've got however many unread emails. Thanks. Now, this is it's something I found really interesting, and having covered the industry for so long, is that a lot of people have have kind of tried to do this before. Like, I remember the Nokia E fifty one. Is that there's an old phone for you um, that kind of that allowed you to have a work mode and a and a play mode. And when I tried that. At the time, it was like, well, oh, I've forgotten the other app, you know. And then you've got to boot out one to the other. Now I know they're saying this is just changing the home screens, but do you think that people will will go through that process of trying to set up multiple screens of like, right, I'm doing, I'm going to the fitness, or I'm going to work, or I'm now got my weekend screen, or things like that, or just they'll do it for a bit and then think, oh, you know, maybe I'll just have access to everything as normal. I think that de- probably depends on the kind of job that you do, perhaps in some cases and. In other cases, it probably depends on the kind of person you are too. Like some people probably would like the idea of that, whereas others don't. maybe don't like the thought of not being able to see all of your notifications come through or, or fear of missing something important or whatever. So I guess it just depends on how you are as a person. But, I mean, it's quite an interesting way of doing things. And 
I, I'd definitely give it a go, even if I don't use it all the time afterwards. But you might as well try, mm. right? See if you can get there we go. You can try anything once. Exactly. Nice things twice. Um, right, so that was that was one of the big features. What other features have we got that's exciting within iOS 15? Quite a lot coming to FaceTime, which I thought was quite interesting. There was um, that uh, voice isolation feature, which is probably quite good for things if you are trying to speak to a, like someone and then you can't, if they, if they can't hear you because your washing machine's on or what have you, or your kids are shouting in the background, I think that would be quite a useful feature to have if it works. Um, they've also got spatial audio coming to that. And then there's the Facebook links, which is probably one of the most interesting because it allows Android and Windows users to join a FaceTime. Um, yeah. Cool. Now, Dan, you're, you're a big Zoom user. I know you've been using it quite heavily over the last year. Do you think this is too little, too late, or do you think people will switch over? Well, I don't think people will switch over necessarily. I mean, it's sort of FaceTime is... Uh, from from my sort of experience, you call someone and you just happen to be it just happened to be a FaceTime call instead of a normal phone call. Hmm. Um, whereas you know a Zoom, you set up for a work meeting or you set it up for, and it's the same with like Google Meet or lots of other things um, as well. You know, you just you, you you set it up for a specific occasion. Whereas FaceTime feels a bit more sort of ad hoc, um, a bit like Facebook Messengers, I suppose. Um, uh, or WhatsApp calling or whatever. Um, and so the, the features are welcome, but yes, it is. It, it feels like it's a bit after the, after the fact, doesn't it? it? To me, it's kind of, it feels like a Zoom light where it's kind of giving that opportunity. And, you know, and there are times where I'm on a FaceTime call because it's just easier and you think, oh, I want to share my screen and you can't. But I thought the, and this is one of the things I know you wanted to talk about. And so we can, we could jump into it now because it, before we go on to Mac OS is that sense of, there are lots of things that are here that then tie into the ecosystem massively across the, the board. And one of the interesting things I thought with the FaceTime stuff is that share share with you, because it's that, that idea of, of starting to share not only your screen, but also like what you're watching on, on TV or, or, or other things. Yeah, yeah. and um, it brings those things into other apps, doesn't it, Britt? Yeah, it does, yeah, and it makes it sort of an experience that everybody that everybody can enjoy not just you I suppose which <laughs> is quite fun <laughs> although not everyone likes the same thing to watch that's the only problem with that right well yeah and that's I, there was I did notice when we come on to this in a bit there was some some sort of AI algorithm stuff with TV that allows you to try and work out who's the lowest common denominator in the room which for me is normally like a, a small child which means you just end up watching something that's <laughs> Not very exciting at all. Um, right, so that's iOS. iPad iOS uh, iPad OS brings in uh, multitasking, Dan, doesn't it? And how do you feel that's going to be going to work? Um, I actually feel this is quite a big development. It's kind of a step on. Well, it is a step on from what was what was there before. But after you know, this time last year, I wrote a, an opinion piece saying it's not time for you know the the multitasking on the Mac. On the on the iPad is is so far behind the Mac, and you know what we've got now with Apple Silicon and the same basically the same chips in Macs and and iPads, which we didn't have then actually. Mm. Um, you know we've basically got a, a situation where the same, you know, they're so similar. You know between between iOS, iPad OS, and Mac that it seems a bit odd that we haven't got sort of full um, support for putting windows wherever you like and that kind of thing on the ipad 
obvious and and it's ex external display support still pro proper external display support um but these multitasking features are a step in the right direction and they do uh, you know basically make it easier to use uh, multiple instances of the same app and um, it's kind of the, the way they've set it up um is a bit like the multiple desktops on a mac or a windows 10 pc um and that you know having being able to have those apps you know open effectively open all the time but just in different sort of um being, and being able to sort of flick through those sort of desktops for want of a better word um you know will will actually change you know how many apps you can you you can practically use at the same time on an ipad yeah i thought it was it's really interesting as a as a an ipad pro user and i've been playing with the m1 ipad as well I think on the multitasking thing, it felt to me that a lot of the time when you're multitasking on an iPad, even if you've got the magic keyboard or a trackpad attached or a mouse or whatever, there's still quite there was still currently a lot of, of of commands that you have to do where you have to use your finger on the screen. You can't use a mouse to you know to pull a new app in or, or, or things like that. And it felt the idea now of you know a button at the top or you know this idea that you can you know there are effectively hotspots on the screen now that you can move a trackpad you know move the cursor to that would then make multitasking easier will mean that it's a lot easier to use with a trackpad a mouse rather than having to revert to your finger and sort of these hidden commands and controls that you know might not be as, as obvious or as intuitive as, as you thought about it yeah definitely because they they you know they've talked about not putting they, they clearly don't want to put touch on the mac which is obviously something we've touched on the pocket on the podcast numerous times before um but um and you know they've they've said that the ipad is all about all about touch or about this intuitive sort of way of doing it but yes that has been a, that's clearly a problem where, you, where you've got your hands on a mouse and keyboard or or a keyboard and trackpad but then you're having to touch the screen as well it's just just there's yeah. something missing from that experience because it just doesn't gel properly when you're trying to be productive basically what i was surprised about though from an ipad os perspective was that apart from the multitasking and obviously taking quite a few features from ios 15 you know like the focus brit and things like that was it just still didn't seem to have something there to really utilize the power of of the m1 and the ipad pro but it, i don't know i was expecting i was expecting more yeah and and as i mentioned before you know you can connect to the ipad to an external display but it doesn't really doesn't work in the same way a Mac would on a Excel display, um, and you know now you know that iPad you've got there is has got Thunderbolt, and you're thinking, well, actually, why? What's the barrier there? There isn't one, so mm. it's it's only that it's that you know I guess they, it might be a feature they introduce next year or whatever. But it feels like it feels like it's so you know it's so gradual, whereas they could. They, they could just get on and do it <laughs> and there seemed to be a lot of influence and a lot of excitement about you know app library and widgets and all that stuff coming as if they'd reinvented everything and this was the first time we'd ever seen it and we were like hang yeah. on a minute this was in on the iphone and ios 14 so yeah. moving on to mac os one of the key features and again this is all about this crossover and 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 also, I wrote a comment, I wrote an opinion piece about this this week as well about this idea that Apple to really enjoy and, and benefit from the Apple e ecosystem, you need lots of Apple devices rather than just an iPhone or an iPad. Is universal control how let's let's start talking about that and then we can gradually switch over into yeah. the Mac OS. I mean, universal control looks like it looks stunning, really, in terms of what it could do for people. 
but actually you know you you then and and so i'll explain what it is first you can bring an ipad alongside a mac and basically you know we've been able to use it as a second screen already with the, the sidecar um mm. app um or uh, functionality um but this 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 means that you can use the the keyboard and trackpad on the mac and drag and and effectively drag them over to the ipad you change focus in the way you, you would kind of do if you had say airpods on two different devices um but um and 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 work between them and you can even say have two macs and an ipad and do it and and sort of move your cursor between all three um which it seems like it could be pretty powerful really um until you sort of wonder well if you if i can you know what what kind of scenarios would i do that with and may, and maybe it is as simple as you know doing emails on one device and and yeah i got the i got the feeling it was all about sort of well you've created something in procreate or something on you know uh, photoshop on on one device because you've been using the pencil and therefore you've drawn something and now you want to just immediate rather than having the let's press this button to share share it with you know um airdrop it over to the other device you can just go off and literally put them together and drag from one to the other i was gonna say but so that's that's kind of but again it's this thing of like well you've got this expensive imac or mac pro and, and then you've also got an ipad which you've kind of you've added to the side so you need two of them to work um interestingly you can only do it you can do it left to right or right to left um and you can then i think maybe perhaps it, more interesting is you can then share other devices you know between one iMac to a to a MacBook Pro or Mac to a Mac or, or what have you. But what's what's new and exciting that's that's appealing to you in in Mac OS? Well, uh, Mac OS Monterey is uh, the version twelve, but isn't really. I mean, you know, considering we were twenty years on version ten, and then we moved to eleven last year, and now twelve, it sort of feels like a bit disappointing, really, in terms of. Um, you know, the amount of new features, because it feels like this is definitely a sort of a consolidation year for Mac OS, because obviously we've moved to uh, Apple, well, the, Apple are moving to Apple Silicon, but they're still reportedly producing, uh, reportedly going to introduce another Intel Mac Pro, for example, so that you've got this kind of two tier, um, you know, system to, to Mac OS in a way. So it feels like we're, we're sort of on a, on a consolidation year where all that sort of plays out. Um, but you know there, there was there were some interesting interesting features and, and focus is there again. Um, you know in terms of all the FaceTime stuff that's there again and uh, share play and one of one of the interesting things is you can basically airplay from a iPhone to a to a Mac screen now, which you know was, was you know quite it could be quite useful. In fact, if you've got a, it, it could be quite brilliant actually if you've got an iMac and an iPhone, you can you know use it as your TV or whatever. Um, uh, and so you know that's that that's pretty cool safaris i think the interesting one and we didn't we didn't touch on it with the ios stuff um that has been redesigned and given a a, a much simpler design and really on the mac it isn't that much different but it is quite different on on a on ios and ipad os um and so that will be quite a if if you if people have been using safari which obviously they they tend to on an iphone but they might not tend to on a on a desktop um it will be quite a different experience for them and, and brit this kind of as we, we've touched on this already it's this idea that that everything seems to be merging together it's you know it's notes across everything it's it's safari 
is trying to be, deliver the same experience to across everything. Do you think that's a good thing, or do you think people like the sort of you know the difference sometimes? I think it's a great thing if you've got Apple devices and you're someone that is prepared to invest in all of those. But you're talking quite a lot of cash there if you want a Mac and a iPad and an iPhone and everything. And it's obviously great if they all seamlessly work together, which they do in in a lot of cases at the moment. Um, so anything that helps with that, I can't see that being a bad thing. But obviously, it's whether or not you can just have an iPhone now or do you need to have an iPhone, a Mac and an, and an iPad to be able to get the best experience out of things? And I think if they go down that route, that that's a little bit sad because not everybody would be able to benefit from that because it's a lot, a lot. <laughs> and I wonder whether, how you think about this, whether, you know, previous years, we've it's been very cut and dry. It's like, here is iOS 15, here is iPad, here is, you know, Mac OS or what have you, and here's what we're doing here. And and this year it seemed, it even seems Apple seemed to struggle with it. It's that sort of sense of we've got this app, and it kind of, you almost wanted them to do it via app. You know, this is what Safari is going to look like across all these devices. Here's what Notes is going to look across all these devices, rather than this kind of. It doesn't feel like it's as siloed as it used to be. Yeah, it definitely wasn't as clear cut. Like um, during the presentation, iOS 15 sort of switched between lots of different things. So it was actually quite difficult during it to try and figure out what was actually happening on just iOS or whether it was coming to all the others as well. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit confusing. Um, and by app probably would have been a better way to present, I think. Um, because there are lots of different things happening across the board. And it does make it quite difficult to sort of see what you're going to get from just one of them rather than all of them. And I suppose if you, if you start to go by app, it's, it'd be interesting to see whether, you know, something that Chris raised uh, earlier this week is that, that sense of, of, of we only get one Safari update really per year um, or one, you know, f- big update to FaceTime. And if you, if you separate them out into, into apps and you can constantly, you know, they become different teams and they can start running at their own pace rather than being, you know, intertwined, you know, with everything else in the same way. Yeah. That said, if you've got lots of stuff being shared, you know, it's different technologies being shared across different apps and you can, you know, share with FaceTime, you can then share to TV and do all these other bits, then it, it kind of, it breaks from that as well. So it's, it must be a difficult decision for them at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Okay, so one of the things that didn't necessarily get that much love this week was watchOS and even tvOS. Uh, I thought they were quite surprising considering... You know, tvOS is, uh, we've just had an Apple TV 4K, a new box launched only, you know, a month or two ago. Uh, and watch, obviously, we've got, you know, suspectedly got new phone, new watches coming uh, later this year. Do you think this is a sign that those two platforms have kind of got to the end of where they are and therefore there's not a huge amount to add to it that they don't already offer? Right. I'm hoping that watchOS record that the, it will there'll be more in September but I'm hoping that it's the series 7 that will need you might need some extra hardware in order to offer some more features so I think that like sleep tracking for example that mm. was quite I was hoping for a, a bigger update than that to be honest given their competition in that department I mean Fitbit are way ahead there um and Garmin to be honest so it would have been nice to have seen a few more 
features added in that case. But um, perhaps when the Series 7 gets announced, obviously they can talk about it in June because we haven't even had it confirmed yet. So um, I'm hoping that perhaps there'll be some extra bits coming out of that when if there's some different senses on they've kind of held it back to because there is quite a lot coming from a hardware perspective yeah that's what i'd like that's what i'd like to think whether or not Mm. that's the case (laughs) um obviously get that mindfulness app so that's looking at a little bit of they're, they're going down a little bit of the road of stress tracking perhaps um but not quite as full on as some others are doing so i mean i guess you sort of just depends on maybe there'll be a skin sensor on board the seven and then they can do some more with that as well. Who knows? Yeah. It definitely felt like they were holding back on watch OS, didn't it? It, yeah. it, it was nothing really. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, look, we've got a new, uh, got a new, I don't know. Like <laughs> it's that it's like, it's the mindful app, which is, you know, Oh, we've added Pilates as an exercise fitness thing. We've got, you know, a new watch face, which, wasn't exactly which begs, begs the question why you know again why you know it was like a hour and a half two hours wasn't it i can't you know it, yeah my mind my mind went to a bit of mush really but like uh, you know it, it kind of they i think they'd be far better off picking out some highlights like shared with like shared with you and share play and really and just talking about that and saying it's going to be across everything and yeah, all the home kit stuff and that kind of thing and saying it's going to be across everything um and and doing doing it that way because i think that'd be much more impactful yeah and i think with the tv os stuff as well that seemed to be again that was like oh like there's there's not much here is this right. interesting thing of where well, you can now as i say this common lowest common denominator of of seeing who you're watching television with and then being able to uh to do that one of the things they didn't even announce on stage which i saw after the fact which I thought quite interesting was this idea that you can you'll soon be able to use your face ID on your iPhone to log into things uh, because it just you know it will know that you've got you've got that there and therefore that connected. Um, why didn't they announce that on stage? Because yeah, I mean that, that's interesting, right? <laughs> that's actually interesting, isn't it? I I you know like the the home you know you can use it you can use Apple TV with HomePod Mini. Well, you know we we knew that from the original HomePod. Yeah, and um, the HomeKit stuff and the Share With You and uh, Siri stuff, it's all kind of minor stuff. And you think that, but but it's not actually really new. Mm. But, then, but then the Face ID thing was like, oh, cool, that's quite cool. Um, like, you well, know. Well, the thing that I really wanted, which again, they didn't really, they kind of briefed over, was this this uh, this spatial audio <laughs> on, on support for AirPods and, and AirPod Max, which is, you know, I, this sounds very strange. I've, I've got young family, and so therefore, if I want to watch a big blockbuster, you know, Army of the Dead or something along those lines, there's lots of gunfire and all the other stuff. I just want to be able to put headphones on and, and just listen, you know, late into the night without thinking, okay, I'm just going to blast everybody out with Dolby Atmos and all the other stuff. And at the moment, you can't do that, and yet that's coming. And and to me, that makes that makes much more valid uh purchase for the airpods max which are quite expensive headphones but if you know they're going to be like a home you know home cinema headphones for you then that kind of to me that says great this is you know that that suddenly gives me another reason to go and buy them and and it's a real reason to buy an apple tv isn't it compared to another device if you've already got airpods pro for example yeah um you know obviously the apple tv is a more expensive device than say amazon's devices and you know you need you need a good reason to spend that cash and that might be it 
Yeah. So, right. Let's uh, move on to the other bits. Um, privacy. Always a, always a big thing for them to uh, beat the privacy drum. Uh, it seems like they're gearing, Apple are gearing this up a notch even more uh, this time around. Britt, what do you, do you think this is? I mean, it feels like it's a welcomed scenario, but you can also see that it's a nice sideswipe at people like Facebook and, and others. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think it'll be interesting to have a look at the app report that they're planning to offer with that, where it will show you what apps are using your contacts, photos, location, I think a couple of other things um, in the last seven days, I think the the idea behind that is. And, and it will also tell you who else they've contacted. So maybe you'll be able to find out how you end up with emails from goodness knows who just logging into one thing so I do think it will be definitely very interesting to see what apps are actually not using your data in the way that you would perhaps like if you were given the choice um so definitely that and the hide my email is also quite interesting I think because sometimes you might want to email without actually revealing your email and then having that out there rather than hidden behind something yeah, and Dan, what do you think of this? I mean, effectively, the, they, they've renamed everything, haven't they? It was called iCloud. That now just remains for the free uh, service. Anything that you pay for becomes iCloud Plus. That then goes through to, you know, they've now in, effectively added a VPN to this series, you know, to this scenario. Do you think that's a, a sensible thing? I think I think there's, there's a lot of benefit to it, yeah. I mean, uh, there, there's certain people that, that want a VPN and it makes iCloud more appealing. iCloud Plus more appealing. Um, one thing I I guess it does give you it gives you the if you've got home obviously there then you know there aren't any of these devices at the moment but HomeKit compatible cameras for example, um, you know the the secure video aspects you know you can take I think you can um, have a bunch of cameras on like, yeah it's depending on how much you pay yes. um, it's unlimited if you're on the top tier if you're on the two terabyte iCloud thing if you're only going for the you know the 50k or 50 gig or whatever it is it's you only get one camera so that that aspect of it is a bit like um say the ring protect plan isn't it um and so they're sort of bundling up other features to cover off competitors essentially aren't they um i'm not sure you know they obviously they obviously don't see these things as big money spinners otherwise they'd separate them out i guess but um you know again they just want you to have you know their their overall subscriptions and Mm. they'll give you whatever they want to um, keep within their ecosystem what i did think was an interesting one that they uh showed and they didn't spend a huge amount of time on this but this is this uh legacy contact and the account recovery contact which I thought was quite an interesting idea. Um, obviously, we're moving into certainly the legacy one. We're obviously moving into a digital age where, uh, unfortunately, people die, and when they die, their phones are then locked completely, um, and so you can't get any of the memories or, or information off that phone. It now, it turns out there obviously there's a legacy contact where it allows you to, if you prove, if you send a death certificate to Apple, you can, and they've listed you as a legacy contact. Um, you can then get access to, you know, they'll give you, they'll unlock that phone remotely for you. Um, talking to Apple after the fact, they they told me that even they don't know who the legacy contact is, but obviously you'll get alerted by the fact that oh, someone's left you their phone, and and you know you've they've unfortunately no longer with us. Um, but it's certainly, I, I thought it was a, a real sign of the times that we are, you know, a lot of. 
people's lives are digital now and are locked up within their phones or, or within their iCloud accounts. Yeah, and I think this is going to become a bigger issue, isn't it, over time? Um, you know, it's an issue that Facebook have struggled with as well and, uh, over time. I mean, obviously, they've got procedures in place now. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it is an issue because you, you're, you know, you... you it, it, whereas in the in the olden days, you could have looked at someone's address book and found out all their contacts, phone numbers, and and what have you, if you need to, you know, get hold of them and deliver unfortunate news mm. or whatever. Um, whereas now, you know, it's all on all on the phone or or iCloud or you know uh, on on you know on Google's cloud or whatever, and you know you can't necessarily get that information. So that's you know it is it is a good feature. Right. So the final question to both of you, uh, Britt, I'm going to go first because I'm being mean. Um, <laughs> what was the one thing that you came out of WWDC, WWDC keynote thinking, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I really like it. And then I'm going to come to you, Dan. Um, I would actually have to say the focus in in or across all of them because they work across it all. I think that that was, that was interesting. I think that has potential to be really quite good for certain aspects of your life and hopefully focusing more on your family or yourself rather than what your phone's doing and dan i i think the airplay to mac stuff because um you know being able to use use a mac as a you know effective output for stuff you're doing on your phone um you know that's quite appealing i think Um, and i'm gonna be really cheeky and say to both of you what thing do you wish they'd announced that they didn't better sleep tracking on watch for me um, and I'm going to go uh, one of many features I want on iPad OS external display support. For, 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 for there we go. You're rocking, rocking that external uh, display. You know, you're you're uh, desperate. Surely, surely just use, uh, just get that big iMac that you've probably still got on loan and just, uh, just airplay, airplay to Mac, Dan. Exactly. That, <laughs> that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip, pip. <laughs>